Hi there. Welcome to Mumble Bumble, the Harry Potter podcast. I am Prashanthini and I am Aishwarya. We are going to reread the Harry Potter books and discuss it over the course of our run. The episode's title today is A Wand Chooses Harry. That's where we plan on stopping today. Let's start from where we left off last episode where Harry discovered his true identity. The Dursleys are shacked up on a hut on the rock in the sea. Hagrid just drops the bomb. So he tells him he's a wizard and Harry is in shock. And then he finally gets to read that letter that's been following him around for so long. Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Headmaster Albus Dumbledore, Order of Merlin, First Class, Grand Source, Chief Warlock, Supreme Mugwump, International Confed of Wizards. Dear Mr. Potter, We are pleased to inform you that you have a place at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Please find enclosed a list of all necessary books and equipment. Term begins on the 1st of September. We await your owl by no later than the 31st of July. Yours sincerely, Minerva McGonagall, Deputy Headmistress. My favorite part about the letter is the list of titles that Albus Dumbledore has, which includes Supreme Mugwump. Do you know what it means? Nope. No idea. Okay. I think it's a made up word. I was trying to figure out what every title means then I got lazy and I assumed you would do it anyway and I just left it at that. <laughs> no, I think I googled it but nothing came up. What about Order of Merlin? That it must mean something, right? Merlin is a wizard from when King Arthur was king of England. Of all the fantasy books I have read about where you know with the magic system in our world, Merlin's definitely like been a reference there. Making a Merlin reference is base level. Like that's what you have to do to qualify as a book about magic. It's so weird that a school is involved in all this. Obviously the magical world is much bigger than the school alone, but I like that Harry's introduction to this world is through something small and familiar like a school i think it's a it's a way of storytelling you cannot describe a big idea in the same way it is in the real world when you're telling a story because it's hard so you reduce it to something really small for example all high school movies end in prom prom is like a metaphor for everything that's in the real world so if this awkward protagonist can make it to prom with a date then it probably means that they can win in the real world too that is pretty interesting I can think of some particularly unfun ways that I guess Harry would have found out that he's a wizard by performing dangerous magic. It's hard to process in that kind of situations. It's a much gentler way to find out that you can do magic. I like how he has so many questions as soon as he reads the letter, but at the end he ends up asking what do they mean send us an owl. My favorite part about that is not Harry saying what do they mean send up an owl but Hagrid actually producing an owl from his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> In the illustrated edition the owl is like a little grumpy thing with like feathers sticking out and <laughs> it is not happy. After Hagrid like finishes sending his reply and he turns around and goes like okay so where was I we realize that Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon both know more about this situation than they're letting on. If you had been thinking that maybe they were stopping the letters from getting to Harry just, you know, out of sheer fear of magic, well, you were wrong. <laughs> Aunt Petronia like really goes off on about her sister. This is the first time we actually see her talk for so long in the book and it's clear that this has something that's been bottling up in her for a long time. The way it bursts out of her, it's like pretty tragic. It's also very childish. the things that she's mentioning happened years ago and she's still holding on to it maybe it's alive because harry is again living in her house but i would think by now you would have grown up 
I imagine that in that particular situation where your sister was part of a different world where you were not invited and you couldn't go I think that would not be something that you could accept very easily there's a whole world out there you know it is there but you are not invited you're not allowed to be there that can rankle maybe she forgot about it for the time period where she was just like Petronia Dursley living with Dudley and Bonnet in the suburbs but then Harry is like every day reminder a reminder of what she is not allowed to witness but we finally get to see that she does have some feelings and op- some opinion about this and vernon had just been upon all this while i guess we are both missing the important point that is that harry finally finds out how his parents died yeah all his life he's been told that his parents died through a car crash but it turns out that they went and got themselves blown up and immediately hagrid exclaims like how could lily and james have died in a car crash which strikes me as a little bit absurd like wizards or not smashed head is a smashed head you can hardly like read it a head maybe they'll never get into accidents they could still be in cars that other people were driving i mean we could discuss it but it'll reveal too much from future chapters but i i would say that what he meant was they're very good at uh, magic to get themselves in such a situation I guess maybe that's what he meant I guess I mean this is the guy who rode a flying motorcycle yeah. into the first chapter of this book but sure <laughs> and he also tells Harry that he flew here we'll eventually find out that not all wizards can fly and I was wondering if that's Hagrid exaggerating things or Hagrid having powers that never gets revealed through the book but once Hagrid like gets over all his outrage about Harry not knowing any of these things he finds himself in this uncomfortable situation where he has to tell Harry how his parents died and explain who killed them i thought that hagrid is a very interesting choice of narrator for this particular story because he kind of simplifies a lot of things down for 11 year old things that you know if it had been written for a different age group it would have been more complicated because his descriptions are pretty vague the way he describes Voldemort who he says you must never address by name is that there was this wizard who went bad as bad as you could go worse worse than worse there's nothing very specific here it's just you know that people were scared but there's nothing scary here well yeah i feel like hagrid toned it down for harry and there are some things he says throughout this particular chapter the keeper of the keys that makes the world seem laughable at some point harry is asking so where are these witches and wizards why are they hiding why do normal muggles not not know about it and he's like oh if they know about it they'll ask for magical solutions to everything that cannot be the only reason you're hiding right no again you cannot explain salem witch trials to a 11 year old <laughs> it's too much for them so mm. i guess hagrid is the best choice to like sort of make it a simpler story it makes sense but it's also not the complete story yeah and i think that happens in diagon alley the next chapter not in the keeper of keys we have gone away from the story of Voldemort who is a bad person according to Hagrid nobody knows why he wanted to kill James and Lily Potter Hagrid theorizes that maybe he knew that they are powerful and he wanted them on their side but for some reason on October 31st he goes to, to their, their house. house and tries to kill them kills them but fails in killing the baby we know that this was an action that caused tremendous damage because the house was in ruins when Hagrid went to get the baby so clearly something has happened here 
and Hagrid also solves one of the mysteries that has plagued Harry all his life. Where did his car come from? Hagrid says it was a result of the curse that failed. Harry for the first time realizes that all these dreams he's had about a flash of green light have been basically this memory of that curse. It's a lot of news for Harry and a lot of clarity also. You've been different all your life and you're blaming yourself and suddenly everything makes sense because you don't belong here. But still, receiving the truth about his parents' death must not have been easy. Yeah, I know. All his life he's believed that they died in a car crash. and now Which is very simple and understandable. And now there are more questions than answers. Like, why did he try to kill his family? Why did Harry successfully prevent Voldemort from killing him? You mean and how, right? How, yeah. What happened to Voldemort? Is he going to come back to kill him? Has he seen him somewhere? Hagrid clears that one up pretty quickly. Nobody knows. Nobody has seen him since. And Hagrid theorizes that maybe he didn't even have like enough human left in him to die. But since nobody has seen him for the last 11 years, people are finally starting to believe that maybe he's gone. I guess there is no popular explanation for how Harry survived. So they eventually go to sleep. He gets all this news and I don't know how he goes to sleep actually. No. But given that he's a you, child. You have skipped some things. What? Well, after that, Hag- Harry like starts to realize that all the odd things in his life, the haircut, the uniform and everything finally makes sense. But then he like immediately starts doubting himself. He's like, yeah. how can I be a wizard? I'm nothing special. If I were a wizard, wouldn't I have like turned everybody into like toads? And then Vernon Dursley like immediately intervenes and says it's nothing that a good thumping wouldn't resolve. He goes on to say something about how he will not pay money for some old crackpot to like teach Harry tricks. And that really pisses Hagrid off. Then he turns on Dudley and gives him a big steal. We spoke about this in the last episode. I guess we got a little mixed up about where this yeah. event occurs. <laughs> sorry about that. Yes, really sorry. Uh, what I realized when I was reading this chapter this time was that Hagrid doesn't do anything to reverse it. In fact, he just like says, I meant to turn him into a pig and then goes to sleep. I don't how think lovely. he knows how to reverse it either. Then you shouldn't be doing something that you don't know how to reverse. <laughs> there is definitely a dark side to Hagrid. There is little information that he drops here and there. It makes it seem like though Dumbledore trusts him so much, which he seems to repeat again and again, there is definitely something dark about him. He's also a warm, loving person. But maybe he has a past that he is ashamed of or he probably doesn't want to share because people would judge him. Yeah, he does mention that he was expelled from Hogwarts. He doesn't say why. Even though Harry asks him, like, why were you expelled? Harry just, like, loudly feigns deafness and says, let's go to sleep. You can sleep under my coat. And he also is not allowed to actually do magic when, in fact, he has been demonstrating that he's doing it anyway. I mean, he lights the fire, he says he flew, and then he gives Dudley a pigtail, all magic. I think in the next chapter, we found out that Hagrid is allowed to do magic. And the reason he took up the job of giving the letter to Harry is because he was allowed to do magic. What, really? Yeah. Okay, I understand where you're coming from. Later on, when the wand chooses Harry, Ollivanders asks after Hagrid's wand, and Hagrid says, yeah, it's in fine shape. But then Ollivander says, I hope you're not using it. And Hagrid just like shuffles and like doesn't yeah. look at his pink umbrella. It's probably a deal between him and Dumbledore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hunt down the boy. Ease your way there. So they go to sleep. Harry wakes up and thinks maybe it was all a dream. There's a familiar tapping. And Harry thinks that's like Petunia tapping on his door to like come come and get him to like make breakfast. But he wakes up and it turns out to be an owl tapping at the door. It's carrying a newspaper in its beak. When he lets the owl in, it flutters and like starts pecking at the coat. And that's when he tries to poke Hagrid up and says the owl's doing something. <laughs> Hagrid says, give him a nut. I've actually never heard the word K-N-U-T-S pronounced. It's not nut. It's knut. Oh my god. Wait, did they pronounce it in the movies? No, it never comes up in the movies, I think. 
Yeah, but elves are not represented in the same form, right? I mean, these are house elves, not high elves, like in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, they are not the same. Some magical creatures remain in the same form, like dragons, while some are reused in many ways. Apart from Harry Potter, my other significant goblin memory wasn't made immediately. It was made a few years later. There's this movie called The Labyrinth that came out in 1980. The Labyrinth is about this book in the movie called the labyrinth where a girl wishes away her younger brother to the goblins like she gets like really mad and she says i hope the goblins come and take you away and they actually do and then she has to like run a labyrinth and face on various obstacles and challenges to like win her younger brother back so those goblins are like really gross <laughs> slimy and like they're very badly animated because it was in the night they're actually puppets and it was 1980 you could hardly ask for like cgi <laughs> but yeah those are the goblins that i think of when and whenever i encounter goblins so like you look at those grubby things you're not going to be in awe of them at all so when like hagrid talks about how like you know uh, you'd be mad to try and rob this bank if those goblins from labyrinth ran a bank <laughs> i can assure you they get robbed every week <laughs> Once Hagrid and Harry have this discussion they decide to like leave the hut they go out there is just a boat they get on this boat and like start speeding away towards the mainland Hagrid again performs magic Hagrid will be reading the newspaper and mumbling stuff about how the ministry of magic is messing up as always which is like a very dad thing to say i guess yeah. and uh, the only thing Harry asks is like there's a ministry of magic and Hagrid says that the ministry of magic's main job is to keep muggles from finding out that there are still witches and wizards which i think they're doing a fantastic job of given that Harry had no idea that magic existed before hagrid came into his life mm. but also a nice function of a government it's not to govern but to make sure other people don't find out that your people exist he's basically painting a not so clear picture about everything right now yeah oversimplification which which is pretty nice because you don't really need an information dump right now about the ministry of magic and its departments and this oh, department all the functions that they do yeah. yes so this is this suffices so they like get off the boat 
they go to a train station and uh, harry handles like getting tickets and stuff because hagrid is not very clear about how to use muggle money as he calls it so when i first read it i found it really funny they are just money with numbers on them it's a very simple transaction but when i actually went to switzerland i had both euros and swiss francs in my hand and the lady who was in the counter was asking for uh, swiss francs and i was giving her euros again and again no i agree i always get like really flustered when i travel outside india when i was in the us and i was paying for something i'd always give them like way more money than was necessary like even though even if i had the exact change i'd round it up and give them if if they asked for like 1550 and give them a 20 no it's and just like i'm like I, i get like really flustered counting change and trying to figure out the uh, conversion the nickel dime ah, cent yeah. thing that i'm just like i don't want to deal with any of this i'll just give it to you in like dollars <laughs> give me back don't give me back i do not care <laughs> i ended up bringing all my change home <laughs> harry goes through the list of things that he needs to buy which is why they are traveling first of all and what was interesting to me was the the uniform had a hat and i was wondering why jk rowling fell back to some of the things that portray magical people in negative light the like, interesting thing for me wasn't even the pointed hat but the fact that it was called hat for day wear <laughs> i don't like understand this day wear business at all it's like having a summer uniform and a winter uniform i don't like, understand that either yeah when you live in a country where it's basically summer 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 some rain summer summer <laughs> summer you don't really like understand seasons yeah <laughs> I think Jake Rowling was just having fun. I mean, pointy which hat is like total trope. And it it it's really fun that she used pointy which hat, she used a broom mm. in like clever ways. So I was looking at why witches and wizards got associated with the hats in in the first place. Since witches and wizards are supposed to be against the gods or something, and if they are redeemed by the gods, they can probably live a normal life like other people. The hat is supposed to connect them better with with the gods. Like it's a it's an antenna. It's in a conical shape because it has better receptors. I guess. Well, my theory was that maybe they, it was hiding something like if you were a witch maybe you had a lump on your head or something and you hit the lump with a pointy hat. So, I read a lot of theories about the hat. Not in one of them did the magical people choose to wear it. It was always the non-magical people forcing it on them to either identify them or to redeem them. Uh, J.K. Rowling's sense of humor shows itself a lot in the description of the books and the names of the authors. For instance, uh, Magic Theory is written by someone whose last name is Waffling. Phyllida Spore wrote 1000 Magical Herbs and Fungi. Spore is basically a body produced by fungi. And there's also Vindictus Viridian. Yes. I really like the name. It had something to do with curses or something. Yeah, so Harry like goes through his list of books and then he like wonders where can you get all this stuff in London? Like I'm sure he would have seen like a shop selling collards somewhere, right? And Hagrid leads Harry down a bunch of streets and then they come to like this grubby looking pub called the Leaky Cauldron. But Harry has a very sneaky suspicion that he and Hagrid are the only ones who are able to see it. So they like go in and it looks like any other grubby pub. Like there's like a bunch of people and there's a bartender and stuff. Except once they go in, the bartender calls to Hagrid and says, will you have the usual? Which leads me to think that Hagrid likes the occasional drink. I think he's a big drinker. As soon as he comes to into the hut... he asks for a drink he takes out a bottle of drink so the name hagrid itself means that you are having a bad night all signs point to the fact that he is an alcoholic or more like he likes drinking hagrid like merely tries to deflect and say stuff like i am here on important business not to have drinks with you bartender and uh, he says i'm here with young harry and everybody like turns to immediately look at him and they clamber all over themselves to like come and shake his hand 
And then Harry also meets his first teacher, Professor Quirrell. He stutters a lot and reads about vampires, which means we've already connected on some level because <laughs> I do the same thing. Not stuttering, but reading about vampires. But where does Harry get all this courage to go talk to a teacher like that? I mean, he doesn't say anything wrong. He just walks up to a teacher and he's like, hey, so what do you teach? I cannot do that to, to my teachers even now. You should see me talking to my dance teacher. Also, you're not the narrator of a book. If you are the narrator of a book, you'd be forced to ask questions like that to further the plot along. If we were in a book as we are in real life, nobody would read that book. <laughs> It would be, and then she went home and fell asleep. <laughs> When Harry asks Hagrid about Quirrell, Hagrid says that he hasn't been the same since he met a hag in the Black Forest, which is J.K. Rowling having fun again, because there's a clear reference to Baba Yaga. And then they go out into the back. Hagrid pulls out his pink umbrella again and like taps the bricks in a sequence. And then they all sort of wiggle away and Harry comes face to face with Diagon Alley. Which is filled with all kinds of shops. There is a shop with animals. There is a shop that has cauldrons. He sees all these shops and he gets really excited. Instead of going into these shops, because obviously doesn't, Harry doesn't have the money, they go straight to the bank. In the entrance, there is a poem that describes what Hagrid described before. There are treasures lying in this bank, but if it's not yours, don't even dream of taking it. So if you seek beneath our floors a treasure that was never yours, thief! You have been warned, beware of finding more than treasure there. I'm so jealous of J.K. Rowling's rhyme scheme. It's amazing. There's this ominous poem that's on the doors and then they go in and there is there are goblins everywhere. And Hagrid says, like, just don't, like, just don't stare at it. <laughs> and they go and find, like, a goblin that's free. And there are, like, all these goblins that are busy, like, weighing rubies. rubies and- the size of coals and stuff and Hagrid says oh I'm you know I'm here for Harry here is his key and he like empties out his pockets pulls out a key the goblin takes one look at the key and says it's an order which is like pretty amazing I also want to know how Hagrid got hold of that key did he take it from the ruins did Dumbledore have it and give it to Hagrid or maybe Gringotts has this policy of retrieving keys of people who died giving it to their descendants that is hugely possible So we don't know how Hagrid got the key. Then Hagrid goes on to like mention that he's there on an important mission from Professor Dumbledore and he hands over a letter and then he makes what I think is a humongous blunder. Mm. He mentions the name of the vault mm. loudly, which maybe leads me to think that it was run on purpose. Yes. I don't think so. Why would he even say the number on purpose? Because he doesn't know what's going to happen in the future. No one knows. We will discuss this later in this book. <laughs> Okay. Uh they go off with a goblin. I think his name is Griphook. And they clamber onto this little cart and they're like speeding away and they're like stalactites and stalagmites. Stalactites and stalagmites, which <laughs> I cannot tell the difference between either. <laughs> I forget every time, right? Like I read it and I think, "Oh yes, the ones on top are stalactites and the ones on bottom are stalagmites." Is I that think. true? Yeah. Let us check. There is Google. Stalagmite is an upward growing mound of mineral deposit. Stalactites are growing downwards then. Uh, stalactite is an icicle shaped formation that hangs from the ceiling of a cave. Well, in the magical world there's clearly an easier way of finding out if it's a stalagmite or a stalactite. They put an M on the stalagmites apparently, according to Hagrid at least. It's a joke. No, he says it in the book. He says it's got an M in it. Yeah. 
meaning the letter the the spelling has an m really i always thought that the icicle itself had an m on it oh my god why would anybody go through all that effort to no. differentiate between stalactites and stalagmites i don't know making it easier using or, magic for frivolous purposes wow i just have no words <laughs> yeah and then they get to the vault and harry finds out that he he's basically very very rich well it's he's definitely richer than he's ever been before or he's sure that he's definitely richer than dudley has been before so that must be some kind of a win and then like they clamber back onto the cart where hagrid's like you know can we go slower on this thing and griphooks like one speed only <laughs> which immediately made griphook like my favorite character of this chapter <laughs> and then they make it to like the mysterious vault where there's no key i think grip hook opens the door and with his nail with his nail and he says that if you if anyone but a goblin does it they'll get sucked into the vault and they check only once in 10 years <laughs> to see if someone's in there uh, from character. from the description sounds like a lot of these around so even if like goblins went like every day to check like on one of them they would still not be done in 10 years yeah, <laughs> i think makes sense and they really don't care yeah that's true right so then they like come out of gringotts it's like bright and sunny and hagrid's like you know what i'm really peaky so i'm going to go get a drink and basically abandons harry which i thought was like a really bad thing to do given that hagrid knows how famous harry is he had to pull away harry from the group of people that formed around him him and leaky cauldron so harry like decides to go get robes from madam malkins who is dressed in mauve madam malkin dresses in mauve no i don't get it what it's alliterative <laughs> there's there's another boy who's also getting fitted he has a pale pointed face there's a very nice picture of him in the illustrated edition we don't find out his name right now so i'm not going to say what his name is I'm just going to call him pointy <laughs> i mean he looks like really sinister in the picture there's like green lighting and all just in case you didn't get that this is not like harry's best buddy <laughs> you will figure it out from that picture this boy is interested in like making conversation it's not interested in making conversation it's more like interested in bragging yeah i mean i get it he's a 11 year old boy he's like excited the thing that he's heard about all his life is finally happening he has come to diagon alley to like buy robes buy books buy a wand maybe buy a broomstick go to school i can imagine the excitement you're making him sound almost nice he's bragging yes but i can understand that the bragging might also be a way in which he's expressing his excitement he doesn't know that harry doesn't know anything hmm. so he's not taking pains to like educate harry on things he's just like making conversation like you would with anybody else who you assume already has context what you're talking about i found some interesting things in what he said that his mother is looking at wands which is weird because the wand chooses the wizard and doesn't matter how many times she goes and looks at it the wand will only choose him <laughs> but yeah and then he talks about racing brooms and he talks about houses and how he's going to be slytherin and he asks harry what he thinks and then very belatedly at the end of the conversation asks what his name is mm-hmm. right this is after he makes one of hagrid he doesn't even ask what his name is he asks for his last name to see if he is connected yeah. and if he can make friends immediately we later on find out more about his character in the series i'm not normalizing him by the way i'm not trying to make him seem likable or something it's just information that we find out later in the series makes me understand this behavior even more because that is literally how he has been brought up like mm. dudley he is a product of his parents mm-hmm. and his parents clearly think that only prominent people are the ones worth knowing so the very fact that he brings up this topic with the person who he just met i mean met is an overstatement here because he saw him he did not even ask for his name and suddenly he's talking about how muggle bonds should not be allowed so clearly these are the things that are 
spoken verbatim at his house he's trying to make himself seem like an adult by repeating it but we find out a lot of interesting things from what he said that it's a closed group of society they don't like non magical people and, and there's also this game called pidich yes and something called racing brooms which honestly sounds ridiculous <laughs> harry just feels like worse and worse over the conversation until we get to this point where hagrid knocks on the window and like points at the ice cream that he's carrying and this boy proceeds to make fun of hagrid as well he says that he's uh, he gets drunk and sets his bed on fire trying to make magic or something and then that's the point where harry like breaks luckily enough madam malkin finishes fitting harry then so he's just like whatever and he like leaves he doesn't immediately bring it up with hagrid they go and buy parchment it's very nice that he actually never brings up that information to hagrid it is pretty nice of harry but I... the things he asks hagrid about are the things are things like there are so much information that i do not know and what is quidditch Hagrid does honestly a very poor job in my opinion of explaining what Quidditch does. It's like like football in the muggle world. Everyone follows Quidditch, played up in the air on broomsticks and there's four balls. Sort of hard to explain the rules. You didn't even try. <laughs> you didn't even like begin to try and explain how many people play this game or what is the main point of this game. Clearly we, this is it, like for the future. It's in line with his character because so far we've seen that he's done a poor job of explaining anything. I don't even know why Harry is asking him questions at this point. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> and then he goes on to like ask him about houses and we find out like you know there are four houses and when harry mentions that this boy said that he'd been slithering hagrid says that baldemort was in slithering or oh, he also says better hufflepuff than slithering said hagrid darkly there's not a single witch or wizard who went bad who wasn't in slithering it makes it sound like if you are bad you go to slithering when you could go to slithering and still come out moderately okay in the first book at least we are given that impression only Yeah that's literally equal to bad which is yeah. like marginalization of that whole house and i feel like they're pretty okay with it so then hagrid gets him gets harry a birthday present which is a beautiful snowy owl the way they thank each other and they are so awkward around each other reminds me so much of real life yeah i know right this is pretty much how my parents and i behave <laughs> oh, oh you you missed out your favorite part which is when they go to flourishing blot look at books and harry really wants to buy this book called curses and counter curses by vindictus viridian where yeah. he's like i want to use a spell on dudley and hagrid says well you have to learn to get to those levels which is when we realize that it's not just you know you go to school and immediately like you're doing all kinds of magic you have to like learn some things i also found it really fun that some of these shops clearly follow search engine optimization rules <laughs> like the cauldron's place calls itself cauldrons all sizes copper brass and pewter i think shops named in like the old convention are all very clear about who they are the old convention i would totally expected it to be like ye old cauldron shop <laughs> some of these other shops are just like you know the petty chaps which is shirts for squirts and belchers bottled beer okay that's pretty straightforward madam malkins is not very straightforward Hmm. It's the name of the person who runs the store. Yeah, but it also says robes for all occasions. Oh, that is true. But yeah, it's like very like SEO friendly. There's no, like, it's not like H and M, and you're left wondering what does H and M do. Well, the mannequin will give a pretty clear idea. <laughs> not as clear as Tom Owl Man. Emporium, Tony Screechy, <laughs> and Barn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Ollivander's wand makers since whatever. Ah, three eighty two B C, which is I think our first date that we get. Mm. in the book where we realize that magic has really been around forever i i think this is the this is the farthest date we get in the series yeah but we may be wrong we need yeah. to find out and harry is the most excited about the wand i mean honestly anybody would be and they go in and this shop is all like dark and gloomy and 
very mysterious and this, this random old guy suddenly pops out and he scares harry in my opinion we learn a lot more about magic and wizardry from this particular encounter than anything else before that we get to know that wands are very important and that's on, that's like the main ways of um, that's how people perform magic they've been around for a long time that's another information we get we also get to know that magic is just not saying the spell and expecting some result it's a collaborative work that goes on between you and your wand and it's it's a lot about mental power rather than memorizing something and spitting it out we also find out later in the series that you don't always need wands to perform magic but wands are the best and easiest i would say yeah but we find out that there are some wizards who are so powerful that they can do wandless magic which which is pretty amazing which we don't see nearly enough of in the series <laughs> in my opinion yeah, but that is true wands play a pretty important role in the series and uh, it's never more clear than in this particular moment where olivander a human database basically rattles off the specifications of different people's wands. He, when he looks at Harry he's like oh your mother she had a swishy willow wand and your father had a pliable wand and he like goes on to talk about how her, his mother's wand is good for charms but his father's wand is for transfiguration. He looks at Hagrid and says this is your wand it was this long it was bendy. And then he also identifies the wand that gave Harry the scar. it's a pretty thrilling moment i think this is one of those few moments for me in the series where the movie totally steals the scene olivander is played by john hurt who actually died this year i think he perfectly nailed down the role he doesn't appear a lot in the movies after that i know him as the war doctor from doctor who and his work in the first alien movie but i thought he was like phenomenal in this i actually did not realize it was him until i went to the wikipedia article his delivery of almost all the lines that are actually taken exactly from the book unlike other chapters is spot on Olivander is also the first person to say that Harry's eyes look exactly like his mother's something that Harry will actually grow tired of eventually <laughs> well, if regardless of whether Harry grew tired of it i grew tired of it very quickly so he gets really excited by Harry because he's Harry Potter one and no matter how many wands he tries it doesn't seem to be working out for him but you missed out my favorite part which is where he start he decides to measure Harry's uh, wand arm with the tape measure and then like uh, he keeps talking to him saying the wand chooses the wizard until the point where harry realizes that olivander is not the one measuring him the tape measure which is measuring the width of his nostrils is like <laughs> doing it on his own <laughs> so the tape measure is the second character that steals this chapter for me <laughs> finally harry finds a wand or a wand finds harry and even harry realizes that that's the right wand for him because of the feeling it gives him i actually want to talk a little bit more about the wands itself mm. which we, which doesn't come up much in the book But there seems to be a surprising amount of information on Harry Potter wiki about this. So I assume this is mostly from J.K. Rowling's writings in Pottermore. But she talks a little bit about how um, she's used the wood that the wands are made from to sort of like reflect their importance in the storyline. For instance, Voldemort's wand is yew, which is known to be poisonous. The bendiness of a wand apparently reflects its owner's adaptability to change. So I found it really interesting that all the wands that Harry tries right like beechwood and dragon which has its own wiki article oh. on Harry Potter wiki which is like really bizarre considering that he literally holds it for half a second and it never comes the combination suggests lots of power and flamboyant skill and uh, they are all flexible spring wands which means Ollivander has actually somehow decided in his head that this is what Harry is going to be like 
and the one that Harry ends up picking, Holly and Phoenix feathers, is for people who are traditionally considered protective. It works happily for those who may need help overcoming anger. So there are basically three components, right? The wood, the core, length and flexibility. Each of them have their own separate articles in Pottermore and J.K. Rowling has written it. The core has its own properties, the wood has its own properties, the flexibility has its own properties and sometimes they negate each other. So you cannot really come to a conclusion based on separate entities. You also always have to club them together and understand uh, to understand a person. The core of Harry's wand, which is Phoenix Feather, apparently they are very powerful, but they take a lot of time to reveal their abilities. They also show the most initiative and their allegiance is hard won. It's like if they are lost and someone finds it, the wands will basically work for the new owner and again try to see if that's a good match. So Harry has a big struggle in front of him. He has to display his abilities not just to the world but also to his wand and win its allegiance. And then Ollivander starts like talking about this wand, right? Like this holly and phoenix feather. Like he looks contemplative when he's wrapping. He says it's very curious. Yeah, and Harry like has to know what's so curious about this wand and then... It so happens that the phoenix whose tail feather resides in your wand gave another feather. Just one other. It is curious that you should be destined for this wand when its brother gave you that scar. I think it is clear that we can expect great things from you. After all, he who must not be named did great things. Terrible! He's right. We find out later in the series that he does do terrible things, but nobody can deny some greatness. And also Ollivander reminds me a little bit of big corporations because the lot of tools that we introduce can be easily turned into something that's really bad. What if Zuckerberg calls the power of Facebook terrible but great? We saw that Facebook's power is terrible but great, right? What happened with the US elections? It's clear that people were using Facebook to promote fake news and they were using a platform that was not intended for that means but doing things that are admirable if you are in that field. Like As marketing people, it's admirable. <laughs> it's horrible. But so, what they are doing is worth studying. That brings us to the end of today's episode. In the next episode, we'll talk about the events leading up to Harry getting sorted. That's chapter 7, The Sorting Hat. Thank you for listening. If you like this, don't forget to rate us and subscribe to Mimble Wimble, the Harry Potter podcast. So until next time, bye. Bye.